0: Evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee.
1: I'm Chris.
0: I'm Adam. Gold sounds like a Dalek. Uh, and we <laughs> no, are. Oh, I don't. I sound like the Phantom.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, oh yes, of course. Uh, um, and we're joined this evening by a special guest, uh, returning much by popular demand. Uh, hey,
2: hey
0: Wesley. Hello. Hello. Um, From I'm us. And, oh, Sh- oh, I. and Jennifer. Oh, I. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she isn't joining us this evening because she said uh, it would be too many people. So, Too many cocks boil the breath. Exactly, yeah. Okay. I've been told. <laughs>
3: <laughs> are you going to tell me something my best friends want?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, as promised, we are here this evening to discuss uh, Phantom of the Paradise, Adam's choice for the trying to
1: cheer ourselves up. Yeah. So I've I've got something to say about that. So awesome. so this this was Adam's version of a a happy lockdown easing fun filled film. Now if you <laughs> suggest something like we're going for a relaxing stroll in the countryside, I'll be sure to pack my mountaineering equipment and <laughs> be prepared.
3: I just I just meant it was Let's, let's just say, I think, that if, you, if you're looking to something divorced from reality, <laughs> you know, I thought Phantom <laughs> of the Paradise really fulfilled that. <laughs> <laughs> How's it got a bubblegum feel for the eyes?
4: Yeah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah this, is, this film is uh, a, is uh, one of Wes's favourites, I believe, so hence why we decided it was a good excuse to get him back on again.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Thank you. So, very quickly, before we get into the main film this evening, uh, Wes, we'll start with you. Have you been watching anything horror recently that you're being particularly taken with? I think the last thing I watched was The
4: Colour Out of Space. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: I've really? heard good things.
4: I really liked Yeah. It is a good film. And, um, yeah, I think that was the last... I've I just watched all sorts of things, really. I just finished watching With No One Eye again. Classic, okay. um, yeah, and then I have got a big bumper collection of Frankie Howard stuff, so I've been sort of doing that. So oh, nice.
0: <laughs> oh, um, I watched one of his not that long ago. I was working through uh, films that were shot at. Um, uh, Ealing, uh, no, sorry, the um, the house because it's oh. at um,
3: the Rocky Horror House. Yes,
0: um, yeah. Uh, yes, so I watched uh, House and Nightmare Park. Um, yeah, because it stars him and his shot there before they did all the renovation work, so it's still an absolute shite hole. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good fun.
3: I've, not, I've never seen that, and I really feel I should have by now. Because it was always one that came up, because it was like, it's Frankie Howard, and a horror comedy. Yes. So I feel, I feel I'm, I'm letting myself down.
2: No,
0: as anything there. Yeah, I, don't know I, see it it. <laughs> I think I've seen it twice, and I remember very little about it. So uh, I'll give it another go at some point. I don't know whether that's a selling point. I watched it twice, I remember piss or I don't think that necessarily. Um, Adam, have you been watching any horror?
3: Yes. Well, I've finally uh, taken the plunge, and I have subscribed to Shudder. Mm. Um, which now makes us a fully shuddered podcast, I believe. Yes. Uh, we're, yes. All, we're, we're, we're all on there. I'll, I'll be honest. I went on there. I thought, this is pretty good. Um, on the picture, like, on the picture for Shudder, one of the pictures is the tooth creature from Channel Zero. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, oh, Channel Zero's on there. No, it ain't. No. Um, mm. Because we're, we're UK shudder. Uh, which uh, yeah. then led, me, which then led me on to see what was on American Shudder, and I feel like I've been ripped off. Mm. But uh, there is still plenty of good stuff on the UK one. It's just not quite up to the. It, there's just quantity wise, there is a
1: lot more on the US version. Um, you just thought like it can't be that much longer until we'll get exactly the same content internationally, because I know there's problems with licensing at the moment. But you just thought they'll be doing something about that.
3: I mean, I would I would expect there's got to be some form of, I mean, litigation-wise, it might be difficult, but then on the other hand, you know, there's a need for jobs out there. Maybe it'll be the people who have to sit there and calculate how many people have watched, I don't know, Colour Out of Space in the US, Japan, UK, and wherever else has Shudder and so the relevant distributors get the relevant bright mm. amount or something like that i don't know but i i agree with you i think it's there's going to be some sort of international sort of Agreed. basically whichever stream yeah whichever streaming service works that out either that or we just all get uh, like we just falsify our vpns and then uh, well, yeah. stuff, stuff them um uh so uh, I wanted. Uh, I'm going to be watching because there is a series on there that I've really had my eye on for a while, which is called uh, Cursed Films. Yeah. Uh, which is just the the various ones like Exorcist, The Omen, uh, Poltergeist, all the ones that have the fa- are famously, uh, cursed. you know, ha- cursed and have multiple stories of what went wrong and stuff mm. like that. So, um, but I debuted, I watched Horror Noir which is uh, a history of black horror cinema and it's fucking great and Mm. you've got so many fucking good people on there, you've got the um, uh, guy who directed Black Killer, uh, Ken Forry's on there Um, oh, what's his Uh, bloody Oh, Keith David uh, from The Thing and just like just, it's really, really good. And and the weirdest thing was, is watching it, is it's like, I've seen a lot of these films, but they're also, particularly the 90s, there's a big gap of films that I have definitely not seen. I've never seen Death by Temptation, never seen uh, Tales from the Hood. Um, and these were all sort of like ones that came up uh, came up in it. One of which, one, one film they did talk a lot about was Ganger and Hess, which we mentioned on the uh beast must die podcast cuz Marlene Clark's in that yeah um and that prompted me to get it that and it was going relatively cheap on amazon so um but so i'll be checking that out but yeah uh, that's really really good although my next viewing is going to be they've oh they've also got a series version of horror noir on there which is basically the interviews uncut so you've got like the sort of various people who are in it sort of as talking heads but you just get like uh like say for tony todd's on there obviously because they talk about Candyman, um and um yeah so they've got like episodes that are just the full interview that they did with uh each person which is nice which is really good and that's like that is that feels like it feels like sort of dvd extras or whatever like that you know um but uh yeah, my next viewing is going to be what is the one you recommended me Lee? Blood Engines? Or oh, yes. yes. Is it Blood Engines? Possibly. Yes, that but that's the one uh which is the sort of uh see uh, well uh, animated synthwave. Yes.
0: yes. Yeah, um one, yeah. It's so so, three I'll, parts and they're all about 20 minutes. Um, yeah. But as I say, it, it does, it's, it, I found it fairly entertaining. Uh, but yeah, it did feel like a, not like a 60 minute synthwave music video, really. Because it's just, yeah story makes not a lot of sense. It's very pretty and the music's great. So you just kind of switch off and just go with it, really. So
3: Sounds absolutely perfect. Yeah, so that's going to be my next, my next up on there. But um, But yeah, I'm pleased to be sort of, on board with it because there is still you know they are bringing up more and more different bits and pieces on there hmm. so yes
4: so out of curiosity does anyone get the um, the Arrow thing on Prime
3: no but I've been tempted a number of times but it I tend good. to buy the releases you know like yeah because yeah. they, they
4: do that with the like special features and stuff
3: so you get just oh they stuff. include them as well yeah oh that's, that's a good thing so yeah because the arrow stuff all, all their i mean all their discs are packed yeah with really good i mean like for example this was the opportunity for me to watch phantom of the paradise on blu-ray the arrow blu-ray mm. for the first time mm. and um we were talking about it earlier weren't we Wes, where it's like yeah you know it's the clearest copy i've ever seen Of this film you know it really has cleaned up yeah like really sort of vivid and um but yeah they've got they've got like a a, they've got a french documentary which is a making of of it on there which is obviously because i don't i'm assuming it must be big in france or something like that um but they've also got an hour of gilmero del toro um interviewing paul williams
5: Oh, nice! Which is just yeah,
3: again,
0: <laughs> and just loads and loads of bits and pieces and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm a massive fan of Arrow, so um, mm. yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, where's that is something I've been meaning
4: to look. I do, I do recommend it. It is it is quite good. Also, there's a lot of films on there that I would take a punt on watching it on there rather than mm. buying it.
3: I don't yeah. know what it is. So. Yeah, that's very true, actually.
0: And if it is good buy it, so. Yeah. Mm. I mean, definitely. so that's the thing with the arrow ones like they are really expensive well they're not really expensive they're more expensive than your standard dvd or blu-ray because the extras are fantastic so if it's an amazing film it's well worth it because you get an extra two three hours of content yeah as you say you're less likely to go for something you've never heard of before or you know you've done um, so well yeah yeah. And plus with the
4: with the actual releases, I love the reversible covers.
0: Yes. So
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because one of my favourite artists is that Graham, if it's Humphreys, he did the original Nightmare on Elm Street poster. Art. I think, I think, think yeah. a lot of covers for him. Mm.
3: Yeah, I think it is actually, yeah, because I'm thinking about it, that that's the right style. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a reversible cover. Yeah. It's the simple things in life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I
3: am. And I am clearly one of them.
0: <laughs> um, Chris, have you been? Have you had the opportunity to catch up on anything since? I have.
1: Yes. I, I've watched something that I was. I wouldn't say uh, surprised, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um. It followed on from us uh, watching Hellraiser and watching the making of uh, Hellraiser, yeah. and I saw this. This was on Shudder, I think it was. It was on Prime Video. Um, Eli Roth's History of Horror.
0: Yes.
1: Now I haven't Perhaps heard. I another Eli one that came up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw it and I thought, you know, do I want to watch that? Say yet, or should I wait a bit longer? But I thought I'll give it a go. And so the first one's all about zombies. Now. I thought this would be interesting because Lee is not a huge fan of zombies. Adam, I think, generally does like most zombie. I I agree with
3: I, I agree with Lee that I think it's just more fatigue than anything else. Wouldn't, Where they didn't nah, have too much of it. Yeah. Well, there was just that period. It was just after sort of Shaun of the Dead came out.
1: Yeah, and you'd had well, they like did 20, mention
3: that you You'd had twenty eight days later, and Resident Evil was really responsible for. Yeah. the sort of resurgence of interest well, and unfortunately, well, that, so, they're quite so, easy to make because you don't have to you don't have to have a spectacular budget to create a load of zombies
1: as Jules Romero didn't yeah so, you yeah know, so, and, so talked a lot about Jules Romero and, and obviously we've mentioned him so it's, it's always good to be able to put a face to the name and so were yeah, a few comments from him Um and yeah, and obviously it's so many people love Night of the Living Dead. Um, I guess mm. at the time it was quite groundbreaking. Um, they, they talked quite a lot, again, about the uh, the sort of social commentary of it and, and how it reflected yeah. problems at the, at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was good to see uh, comments from Quentin Tarantino on there, who was a big fan of George Romero and Stephen King. Um, yeah. And, and you, as you said... Uh, Edgar Wright, who wrote Shaun of the Dead, said he'd been up all night playing Resident Evil Three, and he didn't sleep at all. The sun came up, and he thought we'd better go get some milk from the shop. And as he was walking there, he was thinking to himself, "Yeah, what would it be like if there really was a zombie apocalypse now?" And as Lee said, it's like you you question how would you act if something like that happened. Who would you be? Um, And yeah, and then they show that the scene of uh, Shaun walking. Across the road, and just not seeing anything, just completely obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he slips in the blood, and it's like, yeah, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to be reminded of that. Um, and yeah, as you said, that really sort of sparked a huge resurgence in zombie films. But uh, it was funny, they they debated whether you like slow zombies or fast zombies. And yeah, um, one of the reasons I think it was Edgar Wright gave for not liking the fast zombies was it's discriminatory against uh, like old or you know infirm zombies. <laughs> you need okay. to be quite sporty to be able to run as fast as they do in 20 days later. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Fair yeah, enough. that's
3: true. That 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 running zombies a young man's game, mate. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was. It was really interesting. They they sort of they talked about Frankenstein as well. Um, they said Boris Karloff's the definitive version. Mm-hmm. Is that are you all in agreement with that?
3: I would, as the monster, definitely. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think. Well, I think it's it's the one that still. If you get a kid to draw Frankenstein, they still draw okay. Boris Karloff. Yeah, it, it's still it's still a square head with nuts in his neck. <laughs>
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's not um. ways off. I just knew. <laughs> <laughs>
3: just begun.
0: What's your take on uh, zombie movies, Wes? We've discussed it many times. On the, it comes up quite frequently.
4: Um, it's only like the first three uh, George A. Romero ones that I've watched, mm. because I'm not a fan of the whole thing, really yeah i'm not um uh, I, I get, those ones i like hmm. but all the rest of them it just seems like they're power imitations of that so yeah.
1: um, well, so what, what about um, reanimator because they related to that as well after talking about frankenstein and i thought yeah i hadn't particularly thought of that um yeah or, now, or... that's
0: one you would definitely like wes mm. oh what there was reanimator
4: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's the H.P. Lovecraft, isn't it? Mm.
3: Mm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, i will see that years ago, I think.
3: See, I th- I think that comes from... It's like you've got Return of the Living Dead, mm. which is the f- funnier cousin of the Romero films.
2: Yeah.
3: And so I think Reanimator sort of falls into that same category. It's nice to have a bit of comedy with it, I think. Mm. Yeah. And, re- and really, I mean... I know there was always that big debate at the time with Twenty Eight Days Later. Well, they're not zombies; we call them the infected. Mm. It's like, yeah. well, that's fair enough, but it's a zombie film, mate. <laughs> um, but equally, it's uh, it's actually Day of the Triffids. So it's
4: exactly like Day of the Triffids.
3: Yeah, it really is. That's the point that's where
4: what... you've got the military and everything mm. exactly the
3: same. Waking up in the hospital and everything's gone to shit, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's Day of the Triffids. So it's, um, yeah, you didn't do a zombie movie, did you? You just couldn't afford plants. <laughs> <laughs> or, or alternately, you just thought, every time someone makes those plants, they look shit. How can we get around that? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and the other nice thing was they talked about Tom Savini and his pioneering special effects, which mm. I'm fairly certain you've mentioned.
3: Mm. Yes. oh, we've we've mentioned Tom Savini a number yeah. of times, even even just to say how ripped that man is at his age. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, it's nice to see you know all these bits put together. But uh, but you, but you yeah, said you didn't know Eli Roth. No, I don't
3: remember hearing of him. He he he. I mean, the reason Tarantino's on there is they're mates. Oh, okay. um, but he he, his first film was Cabin Fever. Mm. Um memorably reviewed by Adam and Joe, where they said that the slogan for it was cat shit. And they said, yeah, it really is cat shit. Mm. Um, (laughs) But then he did, I think he only directed the first one, but then he did Hostel. He did the first two. Oh, was it the first two? Yeah. And then he did the Green Inferno, which is pretty good, actually, which is the uh, sort of, essentially a remake of Cannibal Holocaust. Mm. Um. But other than that, he's mainly now more of a sort of he's more doing things like this, where it's like retrospectives and interviews and things around horror rather than actually doing his mm-hmm. own stuff. Okay. Um, although, and, and also, uh, he's he was in he's been in a couple of Tarantino films. He was in Death Proof, and he was in um, Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Uh,
0: he was the Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. So. My issue with him was obviously having done the hostel films that started that whole torture porn thing. Yeah. I absolutely hated. So mm. I've always disliked his film. I disliked. As soon as I heard his name, it did make me groan. So I was like, Oh
3: yeah. But I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I think he's got incredible taste. Yes. But as to how much it translates out in what he does himself, you know, cause like you say, I mean, I think, Much the same as with the zombie movie, weirdly enough, Hostel again opened up the thing where it was like loads of people was like, what, you just chain someone up and stab them? Or, (laughs) you know, you attach electrodes to their balls and shove a cactus up their arsehole. That's cheap. We don't need a monster. (laughs) You know, we don't need a quality actor for this. We just... (sighs) And I think much the same as the the resurgence of the zombie movie, that was the explosion of torture pop, really, was just more that it was... You know, you were you were one less. If you could do convincing gore, you're okay. But you yeah, didn't you need a monster. A story. Yeah. yes, indeed, a story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, right. Shell. So what's the next one yeah. you're going to be watching in this series, then, uh, uh, Chris?
2: I don't know. What is the next one? Just <laughs> didn't get that far.
3: Because that was that was one that interested me. To be honest, it's been mo- most mostly going through Shudder. It has been the series that have really intrigued me, like the documentary oh. stuff and things like that, mm-hmm. has intrigued me more so than a lot. of... Not necessarily a lot of the films, because there's still films that I want to see on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a a sh- there's adverts. also a short called Sorry,
4: mate. I've seen a lot of adverts for Shudder, but. A lot of it to me has looked a bit sort of six form project.
3: There is a lot of independent uh, stuff on there, uh, definitely. Mm. Um oh, and the trouble is with again, this is like this is I, I still say we need to we do need to watch more shit just because it's a lesson for Chris. <laughs> you know. When you when you watch horror, you are gonna watch some
0: right old cack. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> you are gonna well, don't you worry, um, the movie that I've picked for the week after Next, mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned to Jennifer what we've got planned for our next three films, and yes. her question was, why oh why, of all the films in the world, have you picked that one? So, uh, oh, so she's she's mm. seen it, has she? No, no, she doesn't have to, she just heard the title, heard what it was about, and said, well that's a pile of <laughs> you think drinking Absolute Vodka over there, Adam.
3: I you certainly know? am, sir.
0: Fucking legend. Almost.
3: Almost the size of my head.
1: This this is the progression of lockdown, is it?
3: yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Next next time it will be like (laughs) opium.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've just found the the next episode is slashers part one, so that will be very useful because slashers, as we know, isn't really a a subgenre that I've been particularly into.
0: No, it's going through documentaries like this is great because it give it will give you ideas of stuff that you'd like to see. Yeah, definitely. like a taste yeah. of all
1: of it and how it all connects. Yeah, uh, that does seem to be very beneficial. Mm. And cool. I was going to say as well, Wizzy, I particularly decided to get Shutter because they offered something like a thirty-day free trial, and then Prime offered me three months at one pound a month, so I thought oh, I might as well get that. Nice. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's de- definitely worth that. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: I think that's I think that's what Dean did at the at uh, at uh, uh, the time. He was very. I think it was just sort of like. He was between flatmates and everything. And, uh, mm. Between flatmates? Yeah. Between flatmates. So he had very little in terms of occupancy. He, <laughs> he, got, he got subscribed to Shudder and watched the whole, like, everything in, I think, two weeks. He basically oh just sat and watched everything they had and then unsubscribed. So say he didn't pay anything. That's <laughs> the thing. They do. I
0: can- can't do that. I can't binge watch. Mm. Same. Oh, you're not a binge watcher, Wes? I can't know. I watch like the
4: most I can get is probably uh, four episodes of Doctor Who.
2: Mm.
4: It's about fifty minutes. No, about hundred minutes, isn't it? Roughly. Yeah. Four. Yeah. And that's it. It's not that my attention span runs out. It's just that I want to think about what I've just seen.
0: Yeah. And then all the bombarding. That is true, actually. I, I mean, I did that with uh, stuff like Flight of the Concords. Like, I think I watched the first two seasons of Flight of the Concords in about a week and a half. And I can't remember any of them now because it was just so much so quickly. Yeah. I only yeah. remember a few key bits, and the rest of it's just gone. It's quite nice, though, because you can go back and discover, you know, that yeah. it was. Actually,
3: um, but no, I've. I've Done much the same as well, and also it's that horrible thing of you binge watch something, and it's like, oh yeah, they're not making anymore, and it's like, what you mean? I've loved this. I've loved loved this. I've watched (laughs) it. I've watched (laughs) it over the course of a week, but I'll never see any more of it ever. Thanks. (laughs) It's like getting into Joy Division. Yeah. Those two two albums. Those those two albums are great. anymore Well, there's a there's a there's the third like Odds and Sods collection. Oh great! Then you listen to that. Any more? No, that's it, mate. Yeah. That that's your lot. lot. That's your lot. <laughs> Tiny onions. That's your lot. Oh dear! I'm ashamed of myself now.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, you look into my own eyes and saw regret. Uh, we did. We did have a message from uh, Adam Laws, Oh, uh, who wanted, to, who wanted to thank us for the heads up because we mentioned. Uh, again, back on the uh, uh, Beast Must Die episode, we mentioned mm. Greek myths. Yes. Like the the storyteller uh, spin off. Oh yeah. Um, and he's been watching that, and he said it was perfect, like morning lockdown viewing. <laughs> so he's been he's uh, been queuing uh, his way through that, um, and uh, that's a that's a recommendation to anyone because it is bloody good. Excellent. It out. is really good. Yeah. Featuring the best Gorgons you've ever seen on screen.
4: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right, so let's get into this evening's uh, main movie. So, uh, Phantom of the Paradise, a.k.a. how Elton John became Marilyn Manson, (laughs) a.k.a. (laughs) AKA Rocky Horror Picture Show beta version.
3: Mm. I I see it as 2.0.
0: (laughs) <laughs> um, so, Adam, this was your choice uh, <laughs> for um, uh, a film to cheer us all up during lockdown and uh, forget our blues. And uh, yeah, so why? what is it about this film that particularly uh, made you choose it for this evening?
3: I think it was just I was in the mood for something so utterly removed from reality um in so much as there is a lot in there that is you know there's a lot in there that's real we know that the the record business well back when it was actually a business not just like a sinking ship with ruptured holes Mm. that was like being steadily eroded by illegal downloading for like 20 odd years
1: um
3: do we see do do we see this as a good thing Mm. I, I don't know because I still think that there are there's a number of people who now do not have necessarily the opportunity, but mm. things like Bandcamp and stuff like that, especially Bandcamp yeah. now do like a, every Friday if you buy things off Band I think it's every Friday or every like a, a Friday per month uh, if you buy things off Bandcamp, hundred percent goes. they give to the all artists. of it, yeah. Yeah, you know and stuff like that and it's now that sounds you know, a lot so, better than
1: than general perception oh, yeah. of what the recording industry was
3: yeah i mean you you would have weird exceptions and it was mostly independent labels mm. uh factory yeah. for example who who uh, had joy division uh and uh happy mondays and loads loads uh, a certain ratio uh they split everything 50 50 um mm on a gentleman's agreement that, and also said that the bands owned their own masters and everything, Mm -hmm. which basically led to them going bust because they actually discovered that they had no assets to sell. So (laughs) when they were in financial trouble and someone offered to buy them out, they realized, well, we Mm -hmm. don't actually have to deal with you. We just deal with all the bands that you've got because you own fuck off. Um, But then, Mm -hmm. you know, all respect to them, I think they were just in the spirit of trying not to rip off their artists. But a lot of it, uh, mm. you know, a, a lot of it, I think, is certainly this is the this is an example of the music industry at its peak of control. Yes. Um, so, but then I think, in a way, I think it's dressed up quite nicely in Phantom of the Opera and Faust and sort of lots of other things and also it's bloody barking yes
0: mm-hmm. you know which
3: and i think that i think if anything there's always been that there's always that that quote about uh madness is an escape is you know is a safety valve or an escape route when reality has got too much mm-hmm. and you know i would argue that there is yeah there's a few harsh truths and horribleness in this but essentially it's daft as a fucking brush
0: yeah. You know <laughs> I think that's fair I think that's a good point, Which is why I would imagine Wes, this is one of your favourites It's very, it does it is good, oh, I love it Yeah, it does make me <laughs> think of you Everything about it, it's aesthetic It's music, mm. everything just, yeah, just rings true for something That you absolutely adore
4: Oh yeah, I mean I saw it years and years and years ago When I was a kid And then the year I can only pinpoint this the year that Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas came out on video, Adam brought yeah. it round to mine, and we watched it again for the first time. I'd seen it since kid. And then I fell in love with it all over again, and it's been a stable
3: since then.: Nice. Because mm. I, I remember because I, I, I caught it on like late night, uh, and I think it was like one of those things where it was like it ended up on Film Four plus one. It was like, I think it was like on Film four, and there was Film Four plus one. So I'd got in quite early and I was like, I need to, I'm recording this because this is good. So I recorded it on plus one. And then I, I spoke to Wes the next day and I was like, there's this film and it's a bit, it's kind of like a, a bit glam, a bit Bowie, Rocky Horror uh, sort of feel to it. And there's this little creepy dude in it who looks exactly like Virgil from Battle for the Planet of the Apes and Wes explained to me that it was the guy who played Virgil in <laughs> Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Um and then yeah and then I brought it around and we yeah we watched it and uh, yeah it's just it was a good night it was a bloody good night yeah KFC <laughs>
4: bargain bucket and um, that. <laughs> yeah, that
3: funnily enough I think that was pretty much an, uh, the night when I watched it clear so
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> um so chris what did you
1: make of this on your first viewing mm, well i i did really like it i can definitely see um you know the style it's uh, it, like you said it did remind me of rocky horror and and it had i suppose it had more of a depth than i was expecting i did go into it thinking it was going to be a bit like carry on screaming or so I definitely got something from Adam that it was going to be quite lighthearted. And obviously it turns out to be a, what, comedy tragedy. And then the comedy is not, you know, it's not like real laugh out loud. There's, um, there's definitely some clever, you know, witty, um, plays and things. And I suppose it's, uh, well, like it's very cultural. It's a satire on, um, Recording industry and and bands, but yeah. So I, it's probably one of those that I think I would need to watch again to fully appreciate the detail, um, and possibly if I knew more about what he was satirising, that may help. So you said Phantom of the Opera, um, and although you said you don't need to have seen that, um, yeah, possibly it may help a bit to appreciate it. But then also Faust, which I don't know much about. I mean, I've heard of it, mm. um, but but what elements? Uh,
3: well, I mean, because I, I know because know you said about...
1: Is Chris frozen
3: or are you... Oh, no,
0: he's just quiet. Oh, right. He's listening. Because
3: I know you said about whether you needed to watch Phantom of the Opera as in... The Phantom of the Opera is
0: naughty.
3: I mean, it's a, it's a yeah, um, but and I said, no, it's okay, you just need to know the story, and then you said, ah. So, yeah. but I mean, the, yeah. the 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 basic story is, um, uh, it's the Paris Opera, uh, and there's the the great musician. Uh, is it Gaston or something? I think he's called, uh, and. Um, yeah, he's basically. I can't remember. He, he. I think he becomes much like in the film. He becomes disfigured, hides mm. himself away, and then kidnaps the the young leading lady of the opera. Okay, so and, he falls in love
1: with her. And f- but does falls she, does in she love know him her. then? Like in this? Uh, she. I think.
0: I think, th- I think she does. does. I'm sorry, I'm mm. okay. You don't even see his disfiguration. or Literally, it's just it's a strange disfigured man who hides his face he'd alright uh, okay you don't yeah. to get any of his backstory backstory more.
3: right yeah and he kind of wants her he basically wants her to sing mm. his uh, uh, to his music so much in the same way okay. as winslow gets fixated with phoenix in this yeah um and yeah that's and then she sort of falls for him uh realizing and then realises he's like horribly disfigured and then I think she becomes too shocked to deal with him. Um and it sort of all kicks off from there. But that's Yeah, the mob go um,
4: after him and stuff, don't
3: they? Yeah, and then he burns the he burns the, the, the thing is there's half a down. dozen
4: versions of it because the yeah. actual book is different
3: and uh, <laughs> oh, right.
4: the actual films, so
3: Yeah. Um, so there's that element to it. Faust is uh, an, is the extremely old uh, story of basically the man who sells his soul to the devil, mm,
1: uh, okay.
3: um, and then yeah. finds it wanting. Uh, mm. But but in but in this, obviously, I mean, they make it pretty clear because Winslow's Quite a lot of contracts is, going on. Yeah, but also he says that it's based on Faust um which just makes you wonder didn't you see it coming mate yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so there's that's kind of like the two the two elements to it but it sort Mm. of goes off in its own weird sort of uh, look at the exploitative nature of yeah the music industry at the time so you've got the casting couch, you've got the, mm. um, you know, I mean, that bit when he turns up uh, and just says breakfast with a <laughs> suitcase
2: full of drugs.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that there's, there's a very clear indication. Um, but there's so, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a weird, um, yeah, there's just, there's, there's a lot of weirdness in there. Uh, just, just to give you a heads up in terms of uh, mentalness, this is apparently Nicolas Cage's favourite Brian De Palma film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's how batshit it is. So.
1: I think I've started to get into it in the sort of humour aspect, more when Beef was unveiled. Yeah, Beef is the most <laughs>
3: obviously comic character in it, yeah. Mm. I, it I think a plunger. That's... I
4: Perfect. love that bit perfect timing there (laughs) is
3: yeah because also brian brian de palma's got like a reputation as being obsessed with hitchcock and you know he sort of does he's done a lot of sort of hitchcock style thrillers you know they're a bit sort of like a bit sort of mucky you know sort Mm. of vaguely misogyn, well, not even vaguely misogynistic, but sort of, you know, quite sort of nasty little sort of crime dramas about women getting cut to pieces and stuff like that. And it's, mm. and uh, so I quite like the fact that lots of people are probably thinking, oh, he's just going to do Psycho. So you get the knife come through the, the screen and then the plunger in the gob. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, the weirdest thing is, is that, um, like sort of looking into it, um the casting was all asked about face. Basically, um they wanted Peter Boyle to play beef. So the guy from the the, the monster from young Frankenstein hmm. was gonna play beef. Hmm. Um and then um uh Paul Williams, who plays Swan, was gonna play Winslow and yeah it's all a bit sort of it, there's a different version of this movie that would probably be quite shite yes <laughs>
2: um,
3: and and Beef was going to be and the guy who played Beef was going to play Swan mm-hmm. oh, so okay. it's quite sort of yeah I think everything got turned around quite I quite thought effectively the songs,
1: the songs were great obviously if you, if you like songs in movies
3: I think well it's because I mean, well, uh,
1: the guy who plays
3: Swan is pro- probably bigger in America, but he is a songwriter and that was what uh, he's probably okay. really known for.
1: Yeah. And he,
3: he is the composer and the, he's actually the singer for the mm. majority of it. Mm. Um, certainly, th- there's a big deal made about the fact that when they're trying to get uh, Winslow's voice back, mm. you know, and they're just putting it through all the filters and everything else like that. And that's actually Paul Williams' voice, hmm. and they said so. Everyone's like, everyone makes a big deal about the fact that he gets it right and just goes perfect. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because it's your voice, cheeky bastard. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he wrote a lot. Of, he wrote a lot of carpenters hits. Ugly Malone. Yeah. Yeah. Because that actually, weirdly enough, that was I hadn't realised that, and that was one of the things that Claire said is there was one of the songs in this, which is like it's a bit Bugsy Malone, isn't it? It's like that. Hell of it, it song, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah, and um, yeah, so he did that. He did the original version of A Star Is Born, um, and he actually won an Oscar for that. And Mm. he did. he did what he did. Was it the Muppet? It's the Muppet movie. And yeah. Not all the songs, but yeah. But some of the songs and uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now he wrote most. Good. He wrote
0: most of that score. Uh, That's like, one of your favourites, songs. Lee. Yeah. I went to. I went to a sing along uh, yeah. on Christmas. I didn't sing, obviously, because i had <laughs> a <gym>. <coughs> in public but luckily but
1: it must be good if you went to a sing-along even if you didn't sing
0: it was more of a drink-along I'm not going to lie it was absolutely <laughs> there was about three kids in the entire auditorium and everyone was pissed off their face <laughs> it was amazing
3: it was a Prince Charles wasn't it
0: it wasn't a Prince mm-hmm. Charles yeah so of
3: course everyone was pissed so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I mean he, he had like oh and I found out he does the song you know the devil's men the Greek horror film with Peter Cushion and Donald Pleasance. I think mm-hmm. And it's called something like Island of the Minotaur is another name for it or something like that. And the score is Brian Eno. Hmm. But there's a song for it that is like this really like sort of quite heavy glam funk song.
2: Hmm. Which is like, like Devil Dun-dun-dun-dun Devil man
3: Dun-dun-dun And I didn't realise that's him. And um, you know he's done. So he on many... a Duff Punk
4: album as well. Yeah, Cause they're because they're inspired Duff... by Phantom, mm-hmm. uh, because of like the synthesizers, the mask. They're no. big fans, so no. they got yeah, him well... on. I think it's Random Access Memories. I think a song called Touch.
3: Yeah, that's the one.
4: Yeah, Touch.
3: Yeah, I was I was listening to it earlier, and it's re- you can really. Um it's all modulated yeah he does like a but um where's the quote i saw from daft punk um the foundation for a lot of what we are about artistically is how they describe the paradise <laughs> and even even down to like the sort of they've got like the black the black leather jumpsuits with a silver mask yeah. mm-hmm. and again you know it all sort of pales into it and um but yeah, like Paul Williams, but also Paul Williams did a lot of acting and he's, he's little Enos in, um, in the S- Smoking Bandit trilogy.
0: Yeah.
3: So when you get big and little Enos, it's just, yeah, Sheriff, you want to know what I look like? Uh, I am down in the middle of the bear pip with a, uh, midget dressed exactly like me. <laughs> and, um, he wrote the things to the love boat. Um, Mm-hmm. and um Bloody yeah it. he's the voice of the penguin in batman the animated series yeah oh cool and and he was like he's there's also this film that i keep coming across i've heard, i've got the soundtrack to it but i've never seen the film but i think it might be one for you lee the ghastly love of johnny x which is like a spoof horror sci-fi musical <laughs> of it's like the 50s b movie Sort of thing. Um, uh, the ghastly love of Johnny X. Making I saw the soundtrack once, going really cheap, so I was like, "Sod it! If it's crap, it's it's a coaster." <laughs> and actually, it's, it's actually a pretty good album. But, um, but yeah, he's in that. Um, he turned up as Professor Williams in Dexter's laboratory. Oh, um, love that! And uh, Claire found the clip on. Uh, found the clip on youtube and it is the perfect dexter's lab version of paul williams it looks you you know there is no mistaking it's him oh really it's brilliant and he's actually got like he's got a song in it Uh, like he performs a song with dexter and uh yeah and he's been in babylon five and star trek voyager and but um, shockingly enough of the other list of stuff like heart to heart and the fall guy and Hawaii 5 the one thing I'm shocked he's never been is Columbo because he seemed like exactly the sort of person who would have <laughs> been a murderer in Columbo. But yeah, but I digress. Um, but yeah, so that's Paul Williams. And like I say, he was in um, battle for the planet, of the Apes. And actually at the end of this, where he's wearing the silver mask at the wedding, yeah. um, he said that that was based on his... They actually just took that off his life cast from when they uh, were doing his ape makeup about for, for Planet of the Apes.
0: Oh, nice. Uh,
3: and he, but he said, and if you look at it, if, and it's true, he said, I realised how much weight I'd lost between the two films. And there's only like a year apart, but when you look at it, it is like a really sort of chubby version of his face.
4: <laughs> it's like a post-selector mask, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Yeah, especially because he's got the
3: glasses on it as well. Drop yeah. <laughs> <Rub> a ball. <bowl. laughs> oh, Drop a ball. I told you. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think sort of, and he really sort of, he was the one who said, I think I'd probably be better playing Swan. Hmm. And um, the other thing as well is, I didn't realise this, but uh, again, the beauty of Blu-ray, when he gets dragged away at the end, he's wearing heels. Oh really? He's still that high. He's still that high, and he's got like proper—he's <laughs> got like proper seventies
4: heels on, man. But yeah, it's like when you watch him in bed kissing him and Phoenix, right? Their heads mm. are parallel, and she's got her legs bent up over him, and <laughs> then goes—he must be tiny. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> definitely. Uh, there's a documentary which I'm kind of interested in seeing, which is called Paul Williams is still alive. Um the basis of the title is that the guy who made the documentary started off doing it as a retrospective tribute and then found out he was still alive. <laughs> 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 cause he, cause he, cause he hadn't been around. He was, he was like, he just he died. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, he was still there. But I mean, and I think he does, he is brilliantly sort of, just sinister but quite amused yeah mm. it's proper impish it's like sort of really you know really sort of he's a very effective devil mm. yeah, he's, yeah he's got he's, a certain charm mm. well that's i think that's what they said as well is that he needed to have that where it's like you need to have someone who could persuade people mm or can sort of smooth talk his way out of stuff.
4: Like a good Dracula. they are not got to look pretty. They've just got to be Mm. able to have that charisma to pull you in. Absolutely. Hence my sexy Dracula's are wrong. Yes.
3: (laughs) We we stand against sexy Dracula on this podcast.
1: (laughs) I I think it might have been partially his hair, but at one point I had a feeling that he was like an impressive Donald Trump. Yeah. I think
3: well I mean it's is like who something. Donald
1: Trump thinks he is in his head. I, th- I think I think Donald Trump thinks he's the rock in his head. Yeah. <laughs> he
3: he, th- he think he thinks he's like, you know, I th- he probably thinks he's like Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel who uses a calculator. <laughs> That's what he thinks really <laughs> of <about>. himself. <laughs> but um
0: I think but can- yeah, I think this is one of those films that as you say fits really well into that late night um like you guys were saying like you know you've got bucket of chicken in this i can see this playing at cinema like a midnight showing and going down an absolute mm. storm um,
3: well much like rocky like yeah. much like rocky horror yeah mm.
0: Mm. exactly it's, it's that very like the later at night it is the more stoned you are the more you've had to drink before you get in there like you just fully immerse in it and it's yeah, it's great. I mean, the fact that Jennifer said herself, actually, when they were doing the, the live performance, uh, and they were supposedly recording it, and the band came out with those guitars with knives on it and were chopping people up,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Jennifer was like, why Why is Rocky, like, touring always all over the world, and nobody's ever done this? Like, this would go down <laughs> great for, like, a late night theatre show, a load of drunken people, it'd be awesome.
3: Definitely. and Mind you, I mean, there is a lot. I don't know whether it still sort of stands but there is a lot there is a lot of backstory with this in terms of litigation. Um, Basically, for a start, the film was originally just called The Phantom. So, the publishing company for the comic The Phantom, you know, the purple dude. Yeah. Like a guy in a purple jumpsuit with a... Who I believe was played by Billy Zane. There we go. There's another
0: <laughs> Billy Zane yeah, reference. In the though. movie, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Um, Billy Zane haunts this podcast like the Phantom of yeah. the Paradise. Um, <laughs> is he there? Is he with you right now? Scream! Scream! The t- <laughs> Billy Zane is loose in the theatre.
0: So <laughs> scream all you want. On his shoulder, terrifying. <laughs> you <laughs> see that.
3: But yeah, so immediately that was one they had to settle. So they had to change it because it was like, right, we'll call it Phantom of the Paradise. Okay, that's fine. Then I think they had problems from the estate of Gaston Leroux, who did, who originally wrote The Phantom of the Opera, mm. which I think was then just like, they were like, yeah, but it's we acknowledge that it's like Phantom of the Opera. They were fine with that. Mm. But then Universal got involved and said that actually it's infringement of our intellectual property because we've got the rights to make the movie of Phantom of the Opera. And that ended up getting settled by the producer, offering them part of his upfront fee and part of his back-end fee for like returns once the film was released. Uh, so...
0: none, so it was probably fine.
3: Yeah, it didn't, it didn't <laughs> yeah. do particularly well. So I think, yeah, uni, Universal mm. bit in the wrong bit in the wrong horse there. I don't know if that's an expression. It really sounds like one, doesn't it? Well, um, oh, you've yeah. just bit the wrong horse. Um, and and then, back to the wrong horse... Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, that's the one. <laughs> but
3: um or the wrong horse bit you on the back but this is an ongoing conversation between me and Claire. So uh, yes. Yeah. Now Claire had a thing where she was saying about you know horses will bite you on the back and I went no. And she took she took to Facebook and the internet and loads of people just
1: went Improved, no. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> loads of people just went what? And uh, so we we decided this might be a purely a, a, a a purely uh, familial eccentricity Mm -hmm. that's just gone on. Something that's been said in her family for years, but absolutely (laughs) no one else. Um, (laughs) But I I digest. (laughs) Um, And um, then, uh, and here's the best bit, and this is actually something that kind of does affect the film, is Swan was meant to name everything after himself. Mm. So it was actually Swan Enterprises,
2: hmm.
3: and what you don't get in the film because, uh, and I'll explain why it ha- why it happens, is so you would have bits like whenever there's any t- any cameramen had like Swan Vision or something like that, or Swan TV, yeah, and so on, so it's to give you this idea that he was this major media mogul. It wasn't just a record company, yeah. um, but the record company was called Swan Song. And literally mm. about three months before they started production on the film, Led Zeppelin set up Swan Song Records. Mm. Uh, and and so they'd done the whole f- they did the whole film with Swan Song as the logo. And actually, mm. if you watch the bit when he unveils beef at the airport, yeah. the sign is like looks really weird and it's like juddering and sort of you think, have they overdub something there or matted something over it? And they have because it said Swan Song Records and it was one of the few they Mm. could cut around or remove a scene or something like that. But basically and then so Led Zeppelin got involved and their manager Peter Grant who was a notoriously scary fucker um, who could only be portrayed in a film by Tom Davis just to give you an idea of just the sheer physical presence of the man yeah plus the fact unlike tom davis he was a right nasty bastard and he basically managed led zeppelin impeccably that's why led zeppelin are millionaires yeah. and weirdly enough as a combatant to the music industry and the sort of venues and everything else like that he was like just he fought their corner and got them everything they wanted
0: yeah
3: and they were just left to get on with their shit and actually he was Basically, all Led Zeppelin profits were split five ways. So he was technically a member of the band almost hmm. uh, because of how much he worked to get them where they were but also to have complete control. Yeah. Um, and so he got wind of this and he sat there and went through the film with them saying, right, there's, it says swan song there, I want that removed. It says swan song there, I want that And like just... Basically tore the whole film apart, and they had to do like the refilms where it changes it to death records, yeah, and so on and so forth, but because of that, they then removed the swan like any other Swan references just to avoid the headache, yeah um mm. but also obviously beef gets electrocuted live on stage, mm. and pete and one of the other bands that Peter Grant had managed, the lead singer, was electrocuted live on stage. Mm. And apparently, when he was watching it, he basically broke down and was like talking about suing them to the high earth if they kept that scene in. And I think they they obviously managed to settle it out and calm it down and everything. And they were almost like, look, it's not a reference to this guy's death. Yeah, It's, you know, we we wrote the script this long ago. It's always been in there. Hmm. And you know, somewhere they managed to find sense. But obviously at that point they were like, right, we really can't fuck him off. So everything got altered and refilmed or retouched or whatever like that. So, and eventually I think the film was actually meant to come out in 72 and it came out in 74 after they'd like had Mm. to fight all this crap and work their way through all this shit.
0: That that does explain why it feels like it feels like an older film than '74. But yeah, if that's why, Mm -hmm. if it had been shot effectively, you know, three, four years before, and they've spent all this time having to re edit and recut, and um, it may have, I mean, it may have actually,
3: I mean, certainly, I think it probably hampered it in terms of, you know, success. um, Because when Rocky Horror's '72, isn't it? and oh, know, rocky horror 75 this is this was before yeah. this oh it's so pre ah oh, right yeah. okay so well, i mean again but i mean about. yeah so maybe maybe 72 would have been way too early then yeah but it obviously was just too early for that but then this i mean that's the thing rocky horror had built its reputation on stage
2: yeah
3: i suppose and then went to the movie and so on and so forth whereas this doesn't have that that didn't have that sort of momentum with it hmm. um But, yeah, so, I mean, it's a right fucking, um, you know, (laughs) a right mess of them trying to correct all this stuff and everything. Although one thing that did come up that I was quite impressed with is someone pointed out the bit at the airport where he unveils beef is a quote from Dr. Caligari, visually. Because, obviously, he sat there in the top hat and he's got him in the coffin. Yes, yes, of course. And, you know... And I was like, that's actually pretty. Yeah, I was <laughs> pretty impressed with that. So, I okay, suppose the, the stage, stage
4: work. The next, sorry. Yeah, go on, Wait, Sorry. Mm. If you look at when Beef is first, you know, the actual stage shot where they're cutting up the, the people, if you look at that, that looks like the sort of German Expressionist Dr. Calgary set. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, it's that yeah. sort of zigzaggy sort of castle look, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm gonna to have to. I'm gonna to have to break the the circle here
0: and just say, Lee, have you hurt your hand? Sorry. Yes, I think I've broken my finger. Oh uh, shit! So I know there's nothing. I, do that. I, I have no idea.
3: Flicking the <laughs> flicking the bird at Jennifer. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah
0: it's my, uh, it's my flipping the bird finger on the right hand. I don't. I've no idea. I just it started hurting the other day, and now whenever I, the pro, I, I put the bandage on, not to fix it. But to remind myself to stop mm-hmm. using it, every time I pick something up or I put my hand down to lift myself out of my chair or whatever, it feels like someone's stuck a knife between the knuckles of my finger. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I've wrapped a massive, stupid bandage around it so I can't forget it. So. Yeah, so- sorry about that. I just thought, you know, I just wanted to check in. You was okay, sir. Oh, thank you. That's very thoughtful of you. Yeah, no, Are you I-
1: avoiding avoiding going to the doctor's?
0: Oh, there's nothing they can do. If it's broken, they'll just tell you to tape it to the one next to it. So,
1: hmm.
0: fine. Um, yeah, so I've got a very strange, tumultuous relationship with it. Um, it's the same every time I've watched it. I think it's like the third time I've watched it. I start watching it, and I quite enjoy it, and then I dislike it, and I go, oh, yeah, I don't like this film at all. And then I change my mind and start enjoying it again. And it, I just, I can't, I don't know. It just, some scenes I really like and some I don't. So I find it really up and down. I generally come yes. away thinking I quite enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, some it, it's just, very, I, I think it's too 70s for me, I think is the problem. I'm just, I'm not. It does have some tonal moments that sort of seem
3: somewhat out of step in places. Hmm. Um. But I mean, it's yeah. I can I can see that because I don't think I don't think it's a consistent film. Hmm. Um, you know, it's it it has a few it has a few peaks and
1: troughs. Is, is there anyone that you really like by the end of it, or because they're all? I mean, Phoenix is nice, I suppose. You, you don't he, see her as well. You know, a massive because. Yeah,
0: Um, Actually, mentioning Phoenix very quickly, I was going to ask you, Adam, as you've got all the details and Wes, because you know Mm -hmm. the film quite well, one of you might know the answer. The bird link in this film, Mm. obviously he's Swan and she's Phoenix and that mask thing that he he wears is like a massive bird's head. Now, is there any significance to the bird aspect? And obviously, Death Records has got a dead bird as its it's logo.
3: Yeah. Yeah, As far as I know, I think I think it was it was something that was decided thematically but I don't know what the significance of it is particularly mm. um I mean certainly I mean he when he's done up he looks like when he's dressed as the phantom he looks like Darth Vader doing uh like the evil swan from the end of swan lake yeah it <laughs> is that sort of look so but I mean, I I don't know whether it's because it's swan, so it's like drawing other birds into itself, that's, or
0: that's what mm. I've got. Phantom of the Opera is is, is it swan Lake they do in Phantom of the Opera? Have I got that correct. I, th- I think
3: I think they, I think it may be maybe one of the depends on
0: the
4: version because it's swan mm. Lake, it's Hannibal, it's all all different depending on the films. Mm. Mm. There is a Rocky Horror connection though, isn't there with this film? Which is mm. Jessica Palmer was in shock treatment.
3: Yes. Yeah, she's she's so, she replaces Susan Sarandon, doesn't she? As Janet. Yeah. Um, and actually, also she is um, in um, uh, she's Susie in Suspiria. Yeah. Um,
4: like
3: the main yeah, the I main. Know. Yeah, the main who's like the main uh, character in that. And I didn't realise is she's in the remake of Suspiria as well. Uh, I think she's got like a cameo role in the like the the new updated one.
5: Yeah.
3: With uh, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Um so she's sort of like carried over into that. Um but also Beef, which I'm very impressed by, is Beef is Bud the Chud. From yes. Chud Two.
0: Yes.
3: And I was like I'm just so impressed. And I didn't realise, because at first, I was scrolling down like IMDB to see what else he'd been in. And in a couple of them, it says, credited as Bud T. Chud. But before, I, but obviously, as I'm scrolling down, before I got to Chub 2, yeah. I was like, why is he calling himself Bud the Chud, the fucking loony? <laughs> oh, right, okay. He is Bud the Chud. <laughs> so, but I mean, he's, he's, he's been in quite a lot of, horror stuff he's in It's Alive 3
0: uh, Child's Play 2 Chopping Mall um, Terror Vision is the only thing I know him from
3: yes uh, Demon Seed um, yeah, Beware the Blob he's he's uh, and Police Academy 6 City Under Siege which <laughs> we all know is one of the most terrifying films you will ever witness <laughs> um, and curiously enough he's also turned up in both Star Trek and Babylon 5 like uh, Paul Williams has yeah um but yeah actually he is he is one of the best people on the on the arrow documentary because he's talking about especially because it was he was talking to some woman who and she said you know what you really remind me of some of, of you remind me of someone and i can't put my finger on it who it is and then she was, and then she went i've worked out who it is it's a film you'll have never heard of it it's called phantom it's like what beef and she, <laughs> yeah and then she was like and then apparently she had like hysterics for like five minutes. And, oh my god! Yeah, you're beef, aren't you? You're beef. You're and just yeah, and, but hadn't twigged that he was one and the same. Um, a
0: great character.
3: Yeah, I do. I also love the fact that he said that they were sort of skirting around uh, certain aspects to his character, where they were going. Can can you make it a bit more a, a bit more flamboyant? Like, well, what do you what do you mean flamboyant? A bit bit more (laughs) little richards and it's (laughs) and yeah it's sort of obviously well we, we can't say it out loud but um yeah if you could sort of um and i do like his take on it as well where he said he said well i think i don't think people could have a problem with it that beef is clearly gay more to the point the whole problem with beef is he's a fucking lunatic. it's nothing to do <laughs> it's nothing to do with his sexuality. he just is a fucking mental case <laughs> but um but i yeah i th- i think that's i think that that's the bit that sort of buoys up the film a bit mm. is when he comes mm. into it um, but i mean i mean beef beef's beef's ridiculous Winslow is insane swan is evil phoenix as it sort of as the film progresses just falls into the sway of well if i've got to do this to get on Mm. which is a turnaround because i mean uh, in the first bit where it's like the rehearsal in inverted commas which is basically will you fuck the roadies Mm. Um, she's like no i don't want any part of this and walks out but then it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, oh, well, I, but I oh, will sleep with Swan and do uh, do coke in his limo and everything else like that. And it's like she sort of corrupts into it or whatever like that. Well, she
4: didn't want to fuck the monkey. She wanted the organ grinder.
3: Well, that's true. <laughs> but when we've got a reputation as an organ grinder, you know, most people are going to want to sleep with you. What that's an organ. <laughs> what an organ. What a grinder. <laughs> and, uh, um... <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe that is maybe that is the point. I don't know. I have to say though, uh, one thing, obviously Brian De Palmer tons and tons of films. He did Scarface, Carrie, The Untouchables, Carlito's Way. The original
4: Impossible. Yeah, I forgot he did
3: that. <laughs> like I did I was looking at the list
4: and I thought that's what I thought. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I I, I can com- that completely because I think at the time I think that was the big selling point that it was like Tom Cruise and Brian De Palma but obviously yeah. he's just he's, he's not done any of the what seven sequels that it is now or whatever like that oh. so, I've never seen
4: one so I wouldn't know no.
3: <laughs> who,
1: who would that's the problem
3: <laughs> unfortunately so, do you think Tom games, Cruise is
1: going to pop up every episode Tom Cruise, <laughs> he's
3: haunting the place like Billy's He's, he's just popping up here, there. and yeah. <laughs> Oh my God,
2: Tom Cruise is loose in the theatre. Scream! Scream <laughs> if you want to live!
3: <laughs> He'll convert you to Scientology and see if your feet are clear. <laughs> <laughs> Once he's borrowed Paul Williams' shoes so he can actually punch you in the knees. <laughs> 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 but um but I mean I, I have to say I mean Brian De Palma shoots the shit out of this film. Yeah there's so I mean like the, the split screen stuff really really works and actually watching it on uh watching it on the Blu-ray like the sound quality and like the sound design because there's the yeah. bit the, the bit where he puts the bomb in the boot of the prop car. That's yes, my favourite ones. Yeah, it, but it's, it works so well because you get such separation where you've got the band rehearsing, but yeah. you get a really nice separation of the people backstage talking. And you can hear both, Yeah, but it is literally like, you know, it's going into either ear. And you know that's you know without headphones or anything else like that that is a it's a pretty impressive feat. But I mean, even like they the end sequence where you've got like so much fucking going on and there's like him crawling Mm. but he split screens Mm. it with her retreating and stuff like that. It's yeah, I mean the fucker can shoot a film, you know. Mm. (laughs) Um. But also the guy and the guy who plays the guy who plays Winslow who is who feels almost like a missing python or or um actually I think actually I think if he'd done I think the another person I could see doing it would be Gene Wilder but I think Gene mm. Wilder would have brought too much to it that you would have been too upset by what he's put through yeah Because you'd care more for Gene Walter. Um, But yeah, uh, William Finley, uh, he actually went to film school with Brian De Palma. Mm -hmm. And so he's in lots of Brian De Palma films. He's in quite a few, he's in like three Toby Hooper films as well. Um, He's also in a film called Silent Rage, which I only bring up because I I had to look, because I saw that name come up and I thought, I'm looking this up. And it was a film that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Oh really? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre. Right? It's a Chuck Norris film, and I think at the time, my dad was renting Chuck Norris movies because I was going to karate, and it was like, well, I'll just <laughs> rent you a load of karate films. And you know. Chuck Norris did one technically horror film, which is this film called Silent Rage, um, where basically they give a a, a criminally insane man a. F- a f- uh, uh, injection that makes him absolutely indestructible. Um, and I don't know what it was about the film. It had, I think, I'm pretty sure it had some pretty intense sort of sins. That sounds familiar, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it, well, I think, I think it was one that was just doing the rounds, but uh, for some reason, just as a kid, it was like, because I think it was like you're expecting a Chuck Norris movie where it's basically, oh, a load of communists are going to come over and I'll high kick them out of the fucking country. Um, whereas this was much more sort of like, this is much more slasher film, almost. Yeah, you know, more of a this,
1: sinister feel.
3: Yeah. Because, also because the, it was like this mute killer who just went mm. around and they were trying to kill him by injecting him with acid and it just was <laughs> well out. Of, thank you. It was just well out of hand. Um, but yeah, I remember as a kid, it was like, just, for some reason, it just really stuck with me but he's he's in that um, but also I just thought this was lovely um, Brian De Palma uh, filmed his wedding for him <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which I think in a, in a way that's a pretty impressive wedding video that you've got yeah. um, but I do like the idea that he did it with his usual sort of Brian De Palma was there like was there like a, 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 a shot of a, a of a lady's stocking next to the glint of a knife and then they cut the cake you know that sort of thing. You know, I think that would have been very stylistically impressive. So, but all, all in all, yeah. I mean, it's that. That was that was my take on it I just thought this is fucking balmy.
2: Mm. So,
3: it is. It's just like a bubble gum for the eyes.
4: Just sit down, plonk in front of it, and it's just a little adventure.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a fun movie, and it's a nice film to look at. Like you say, like the colours are all really bright, and it's got that very um, almost like uh, yeah, like you say, like Suspiria sort of look to it. Lots of neon, mm. lots of bright colours. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun film, and it's yeah, I think for fans of horror looking for something a bit easygoing, let's say late night, about a few too many drinks. You just want something to turn your brain off and uh, and. Asleep too. I think this is perfect. Really, I, I mean, I would always say,
3: I would always say, anyone who anyone who digs Rocky Horror should at least give it a give it a watch. Yeah, absolutely. Pro- probably before you watch Shock Treatment, to be honest, because I think Shock yeah, Treatment yeah. is so removed from Rocky Horror. Um,
4: oh, it's yeah, like a thing. stepping stone, though, isn't it between mm. the two?
3: Yeah, it is weirdly. Yeah, you kind of because obviously, like Shock Treatment has a lot more. Shock treatments more based around a, a satire or a critique, whereas Rocky Horror is much more a it's a homage and a love letter to yeah. B movies. Whereas Shock treatments much more about oh, isn't it terrible what Telly does to people and will yeah. soap opera shit. <laughs> and it's yeah, all right, fair enough. But Christ, Almighty, mate! I'll just have a can we have another time warp? <laughs> you've got Rick Mail in it you've wasted him come on (laughs) what what indeed is happening here Um, also uh, I mean it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing but that room that he composes in
2: is actually a
3: real that is a real fucking instrument really that is a thing called Tonto yeah right and it was designed by it was designed by uh, a guy called um, Bob Cecil, who was like, like a jazz a jazz bass player and electronic music freak. Uh, and Tonto stands for the original New Tambour Orchestra. Mm. And it's like, it, and that's that sort of sphere. Hmm. That is the instrument, and like the whole fucking thing. <laughs>
4: And yeah, it's bigger got,
3: than that, yeah. And it's got yeah. like Moogs and ARPs in their EMS stuff, Roland, Oberheim, just like hundreds and hundreds of modules. And as I watched some, I watched some clips of him on YouTube earlier talking about it. And as he said, these are all these are all instruments that don't really get on and don't like talking to each other, which is why it creates such an interesting sound. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I, I, but it was like. Um, it's been used on uh, basically uh, him and another guy called Bob Margaleff were the ones who sort of developed it and built it. Mm. Um, and um, they released albums as the, I think it was like the, <coughs> the, the Tonto expanded headband or exploding headband or something like that. And it was basically just like really,
2: yeah, it, yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: and it's just like really heavy, like synth stuff, very sort of, Reminiscent of, say, Vangelis or, um, you know, sort of early electronic stuff. And um, Stevie Wonder got in touch with them. And that is, that is the machine that he used when he did Superstition. And basically all, all the classic albums were built on that machine. No. Like, like Talking Book and Inner Visions and Music for the Mind. And like, there's like a clump of like four or five classic, like the real core. Uh, Stevie Wonder 70s output was all done with Tonto Um, and yeah but they and they did like loads of record they did um, but the weird thing was it was it was at the studio for a while and then it ended up at one of the guy's houses but people still came and recorded with it Um, (laughs) and actually uh, Devo did I think their second or third album using it the weird thing was is that Devo turned up and they said it was such a, cause that's the thing is the, the whole like Bob Cecil in this, in these clips, his enthusiasm for what a bastard this machine is, <laughs> is, um, is brilliant. Cause he's like, you don't get the same noise twice. You can't do that. It's a, it's a living thing. You can't get the same noise twice. And he's sort of going and he's like, and, and he's saying, it's almost like a jazz improvisation thing. You know, I'll be playing that note. He decides it's something else. <laughs> um,
4: appa- apparently, it's like that apparently- D I've got.
3: Mm. You know, that little mood thing I've got. You can yeah. set
4: that and you can draw it all down. But if, if you're a micro out of it, it's mm. a different noise.
3: <laughs> and that's what he said. It's all, but apparently his wife refers to it as the other woman. <laughs> because he was so obsessed with it. And um, yeah. But he... Um, Oh what was it so they did all these like amazing records with it but yeah like I think Devo turned up and they said the first thing they used it for was they rested another synthesizer on top of one of the keyboards. Yeah. So effectively it was a stand because they just couldn't get it to do what they wanted it to do. <laughs> um but it's still it's still it's still a thing it's still out there. I think it ended up at, at like the Canadian Institute of Music or somewhere like that. And a tribe called Red were using it, and you can actually become an artist in residence and go and use the uh, go and use the thing. But it is, but yeah, it's like very. Um, it's an amazing. Oh, it's just an amazing looking space. If anything else, mm-hmm. it's so sort of memorable. And yet again, <laughs> in tribute to the themes of uh, the Phantom of the Paradise. They never got properly paid for its use in the film. (laughs) (laughs) They got ripped off, so
0: yeah, there we go. (laughs) There's it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so to wrap things up, um, thanks ever so much for joining us this evening, Wes. That's fine anytime. (laughs) Um, uh, Have you got any, before we let you go, have you got any films that you'd like to suggest to people? Not necessarily something. Related or that you've watched recently But just Any for people to uh, Things for them to check out While in lockdown
4: Not that I can think of At the moment I'm afraid um.
0: <laughs> No worries, sorry I didn't did put, put on you on the, the spot? spot What's that sorry?
4: The... Did you put me on the spot? I know I'm sorry I'm sorry a lot of the stuff I'm watching is catching up with stuff you've watched in past podcasts. So, yeah. Oh, excellent. They've already seen it, no doubt. But, um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> we hope. That's, that's gonna
0: going to come across one on, day. Go, <laughs> <laughs> cool. right. So um, we shall be back next week again uh, for Young Frankenstein. Uh, so uh, which is Chris's uh, choice for the uh, batshit month that we're doing this month. For our
1: denial of reality.
0: Yes. <laughs> is
1: exactly. is it is it any light more hearted? Yeah, it's I got think, jokes.
0: Oh yeah. It, okay. I,
3: I would not consider fa- Phantom of the Paradise doesn't have jokes.
1: Yeah. It has no. quirks
3: and yeah. unusualness, but it doesn't actually have a straight head punchline anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Well, it, was, it depends on how funny you find someone going FedEx
0: Food. Is you know I find that particularly funny. so <laughs> But yeah, Young Frankenstein's a classic of that of that joke format. You know where you you have a linear story and you squeeze as many jokes in as you can, as, as all the Mel Brooks films are really. So, uh, so
1: that's it. I had in my head that it was something to do with Mel Brooks, so he was the director or writer,
3: writer and or or both.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm probably set up to, you know what I'm expecting to see is probably what's going to happen to some yeah, degree. Pretty much.
0: Yeah. In such a delightful way, you'll love it, I'm sure.
2: It's
3: well, pretty... I think... <laughs> I, I think me and Claire are hoping to kind of work a thematic, because obviously we'll be re-watching it, so hopefully we're going to work a thematic thing of maybe watch a few more other uh, Mel Brooks's... I was going to say,
1: yeah, what is your favourite Mel, or what is everyone's favourite Mel Brooks?
0: Um... Do you know what? I'm I've not, put you all on the spot now. Look. Yeah, I've got to, I'm not massively
1: like I've, on a lot of his stuff. I can easily say it's baseballs. Mm. I
3: like blazing saddles.
1: Blazing I, saddles.
3: I'm I'm half and half because it's blazing. It's either blazing saddles or high anxiety. Um, I mean, blazing saddles. You have got Cleveland Little and Jean Wilder. Mm. So it's probably blazing saddles. And also, oh shit! Here comes Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> but but equ- equally, I love high anxiety.
0: I love space. I love spaceballs. Um,
3: yeah, but it could be any of those.
0: I think all I'm going to have to say it's the one we're about to watch next. Um Ooh.
3: Again, mm.
0: I think because of my love of the classic Universals. Um, yeah, in the way that this. Uh, doesn't poke fun at them, but mm. kind of does. It's a tribute. In a yeah, it's a, it's a
1: comedic tribute to them. So. I just saw he did one called Dracula, Dead and Loving It. I think, oh, or at least it's showing up on the list.
3: Yeah, that's that's. I think that's one of the later ones. Oh, okay. Uh, with uh with Leslie Nielsen, isn't it? I think. I believe it yeah. is Leslie
0: Nielsen. Yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, around
3: the same sort of time as Robin Hood Men in Tights
0: yeah that's that sort of Wes is pulling a uh, yeah
3: it's a a shame really because I mean it is we've probably just named all the classics really you know yeah I think
0: excellent right so thanks so much for listening thanks very much for joining us Wes Uh, we should be you back again soon um yeah, I'd love to. Excellent. Then that is a date. Um and we will see you all next week for Young Frankenstein. Night. Bye. Good night. Bye. I must
3: confess I'm night? a bit steaming now, I think.